It may be that God is calling you to the mission field. Maybe that he's calling some of the missionaries to a new field. It may be that he's calling you to, to take a step of faith. You don't know where he wants you, and you're tempted to say, that's too rough. I don't want to do that. And then Abraham speaks to you, and he witnesses that you can do it. I did it. You can do it. The writer of Hebrews described a cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. I always pictured a bunch of white-bearded patriarchs and martyrs looking down from above, observing me to see if I kept the faith as they did. I was never comfortable with that. It seemed a little oppressive to me. When I first heard the explanation that this large group of people was witnessing to me the whole passage from the beginning of Hebrews 11 into the early verses of chapter 12 finally made sense. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff will be elaborating on that subject and more today as he leads us in another study of the faith chapter. For over 25 years, Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse is the broadcast version of that teaching ministry. Today's class is the middle part of Pastor Steve's 11th and final message on the heroes of the faith. Even though chapter 11 is our topic, chapter 12 is closely tied to it. Chapter 12 is the application of chapter 11, and it begins like this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Now, let's begin our class to hear what Pastor Steve has to tell us about this cloud of witnesses, and then we will see how we can lighten our load a little so that we can run better. Here is Pastor Steve. Well, first of all, these people are not spectators. The writer is not saying we have so great a cloud of spectators. He calls them witnesses. Cloud, by the way, means a crowded group. It just means a mass, a large host of people. That, that's what he means. These people are not witnessing what we're doing. That's not his point. They're not witnessing what we're doing, but rather are testifying. They're witnessing in the sense that they are testifying to us that the race of faith can be run and that God will see us through, that faith in God is worth it. They testify to us. They're witnessing by their lives from the pages of Scripture that you can endure because I endured, I made it. And God gave grace and strength for every kind of situation. And if I could do it, you can do it too. And they speak to us, though they are dead, they speak to us through the pages of Scripture. They made it through life's heartaches by faith in God, and we can too. God never let them down. He'll never let us down because the reason they made it was because of their God. And their God is our God. You can endure you can endure through all the trials and difficulties of life, just like the Old Testament heroes did by faith in God. You can make it because these people were not super-duper saints. I don't know anybody who's a super-duper saint. They were ordinary people with failures and struggles. I mean, we spent 10 weeks going over them. I mean, good night. Rahab was a prostitute. And Abraham lied. And we know about Jacob and Isaac. And these men were just... People of clay, men and women, people of clay. If they could make it by faith, we can too. Now, these Old Testament characters offer tremendous encouragement to us to press on when we feel like giving up. I'm sure they felt like giving up. 
And they didn't have all the benefits of, of all the revelation we have. The reason they so encourage and inspire us is that they have done it before us, and they prove that it can be done. They prove that it can. You know, if, if uh, when I was training for the New York City Marathon, if, if I had asked, has anybody ever finished this course? If they said to me, nobody's ever, ever finished. They all drop out. I probably would have had something else that I would have done. And, and in this, this, the Christian life, if you meet others and you read about others who have gone on before you and they've done it, it gives us great encouragement because you know that people can make it. And this is, by the way, why you want to be familiar with the Old Testament characters. In Romans chapter 15, the writer uh, Paul tells us in Romans 15 verse 4, for whatever was written in earlier times was written, and that means the Old Testament, by the way, was written for our instruction that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. So the Old Testament, one reason it was written was for us, to give us hope and encouragement because others have done it. For example, let me show you how this works. When you don't know where God will move you or what the next step is, you've just been obedient to this point because that's all the Lord has made, made known to you, and you don't know what His plan for you is down the, down the road, and you're tempted to be anxious and worried, and where am I going to end up, and where will this lead? Then Abraham witnesses to you that God called him to obey without knowing where he was going, and he made it by faith. That's what Hebrews 11 verse 8 says. He went out not knowing where he was going. God just said at first, get up and leave. Leave everything that's comfortable to you. It may be that God is calling you to do something like that. Maybe he's calling you to the mission field. Maybe he's calling some of the missionaries to a new field. It may be that he's calling you to, to take a step of faith. You don't know where he wants you. And you're tempted to say, that's too rough. I don't want to do that. And then Abraham speaks to you and he witnesses that you can do it. I did it. You can do it. Or when God calls you to do something that you know is going to result in problems and perhaps great hardship in your life, and you wonder, should I do this? I, it, it might cost me my life. It might cost me economically. Then the parents of Moses witnessed to you that they did what was right by faith. They, they hid Moses by faith, and God gave them the strength and the grace to not fear the wrath of the Pharaoh. It says that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. Or when God allows tremendous physical pain and perhaps mental anguish to enter your life and you wonder if you can go on trusting God throughout this, this illness, throughout these, uh, these heartaches, throughout the agony of pain, then the countless Old Testament characters step forward and testify that God gave them the strength to endure to the end because they trusted him. We looked at this, we looked at this just last week, verse 36. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And they didn't give up. They did not give up. And you don't have to give up either. You can endure. That's how it works. You see, their lives spur us on. Their lives encourage us to make the right choices in life based on faith in God's word. Even when we don't have the right feelings. Feelings are not the same thing as faith. You don't worry about your feelings. Your feelings can deceive you. Even if you don't have the right feelings or you don't understand what God is doing in your life, you still run the spiritual marathon. You know you can trust him to give grace and strength. Even if you don't know what he's doing, you can still trust him 
because Old Testament characters did, and they didn't know what was going on. And how do we know we can trust him? And how do we know he'll give us grace? Because a great cloud of witnesses constantly speak to us by their examples of faith. They endured by faith, therefore we can too. But how? And how do we keep running a spiritual marathon when so many things seem to get us down and discourage us and hinder our progress? And that's really what's going on in our minds. How do we do it? Okay, I, I, do I just look at these guys? How do I do it? Well, there's more. Verse 12 goes on to say, Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's how you do it. Now let me explain. One of the things that I've learned as a runner is to run light. Run light. You don't want extra weight on you. In fact, I'll never forget my first race. It was a, a four-mile run. It was called Race for the Pies. Silly little race. And uh, it was rainy. I think it was in January. Uh, it was about four or five years ago. It was rainy. It was cold. And so I thought I would just bundle up. And I wore sweatpants and a sweatshirt. And uh, that's okay if you take them off at the start of the race. But I didn't do that. And the rains just came, and after a while, I realized that I had put on a few pounds. I must, I mean, the rains came, and it just got wetter and heavier. I must have had an extra five to ten pounds, which in a race, you just have to triple that. Whenever you run, you're coming down three times the weight of whatever you, you have. And so uh, that, was, that was like uh, anywhere from 15 to 30 extra pounds, and I got injured in that race, and it just hindered me. It just hinders me. Marathon runners and, and any kind of distance runners are very conscious of being light. They don't want any extra weight. They wear light clothing. I just bought some running shoes recently, very conscious of the fact that I was getting some new running shoes that were lighter than my old running shoes. You say, lighter? They were about one ounce lighter. And you may say, that's absolutely nothing. But when you're running 26 miles, that one ounce is, is something. At the New York City Marathon, uh, they had a place before they actually could check out your body fat. Runners are very, very concerned about, about those things. And, and when at the start of the race, uh, many of us had plastic bags on because it was cold and, and sweatshirts on. And then after you run a few miles, you just throw that stuff off and Salvation Army comes and picks it up and brings it to those who, uh, who need it, poor in, in New York. But you see, you want to run light. Running is a terrific analogy for following Christ. While I'm no marathon runner like Pastor Steve, I did run on the high school track team. I can testify to the need to carry as little weight as possible. Before buying my first pair of track shoes, I wondered why we needed special shoes. When I held one in my hand, I felt the difference immediately. It almost felt like it might float away compared to my football shoes. Well, the word pictures are fine, but how do we apply them to our own situations? What kinds of habits, attitudes, and beliefs do we hang on to that hinder our faith? Pastor Steve will be right back to tell about some of the extra weight carried by the Hebrew believers, and then we'll have some examples of things that might be slowing us down. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're glad to have you here. Pastor Steve is in the middle part of a three-part message which concludes our study of Hebrews chapter 11. The heroes of the faith set great examples. They weren't super spiritual people. They were cracked vessels just like we are. 
Some of them had occasional direct contact from God, but most did not. On the other hand, Christ followers today have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. We have a tremendous advantage over the heroes of the faith. They speak to us from the pages of Scripture, saying, If I can live by faith, then you can also. Now, let's return to class to learn some of the things that hinder our ability to walk by faith. Here is Pastor Steve. Now, that's what the writer is saying to the Hebrews. This preoccupation of, of lightness is what all of us should have in the Christian spiritual marathon. He says we are to lay aside every encumbrance. The word encumbrance means weight or mass. And in ancient times, we referred to excess body weight. In other words, uh, extra body fat. And it could mean clothing as, as well. Now, what was it? And, and here's where you want to deal with the Hebrews' unique situation. What was it that was weighing down the Hebrews and hindering their faith? That's what he's talking about. What was it for them? It was the legalism of Old Testament Judaism that God said had ended, and yet they were still involved in it. It was their old way of life that was hindering them, the Old Testament rules, the regulations, the ceremonies, the do's and the don'ts of Judaism, and its sacrifices and temple worship and high priests. That's what they were tempted to retreat back to. They were still trying to hold on to that. And the message of Hebrews, by the way, as we've said many times, but we'll say it for those who, who are new today, the message of Hebrews... It's simply that Christ is better. Let go of that stuff. Anything that you ever had in Judaism, Jesus is better. Jesus is superior. That's, that's the message of the book of Hebrews. And while these things were not sin, now listen, they were not sins in and of themselves. They were unnecessary weights. Sacrifices weren't sin, obviously. Temple worship wasn't sin, and, and the high priest, I mean, God had instituted that. How could that be sin? But they now were unnecessary weights that hindered the Hebrews from running the race of faith. Because these Judaistic uh, rules became for them standards by which they tried to please God. They became external standards. And God says, there is only one thing that pleases me. He said it in chapter 11, verse 6, without faith it is what? impossible to please God. These people weren't running like they should by faith. They were running by externals. In fact, that's exactly what happened to the Galatians. The Galatians had the, had the same problems. They were running a nice steady race, and then the legalists came in and said, you got to do this, you got to do that. Now, I'm afraid that these legalistic weights still hinder Christians today. Only they're not Jewish uh, legalistic weights. They're Christian legalistic weights. Some of us are still trying to please God by some external type of behavior, and we've neglected the heart. We've neglected internal obedience and submission and genuine faith. And we think that if we just have some external type of behavior, it'll make us more spiritual than others. The way we spend Sundays, those forbidden activities on Sundays, if you just stay away from those, you're more spiritual. And perish the thought somebody should do something that doesn't meet your approval, then you say they're not spiritual even though the Word of God doesn't teach anything like that, or certain types of recreation and entertainment. How about the way we dress? If somebody dresses a little bit differently, perhaps has certain jewelry that you don't approve of, we mark them as being unspiritual, and we're more spiritual because we don't have that. Or, or our hairstyles or hair length, or even if we have a beard, perish the thought. And we might have a beard. 
Obviously, this doesn't apply to the ladies, talking to the men right now. <laughs> you have a beer, we want to see you afterwards. But a lot of Christians who think they are out in front in the Christian race are really lagging behind. They're not spiritual, only they think they're spiritual. That's Christian legalism. And you know what? It'll, it'll hinder your real walk with God and, and the real spiritual progress. And that's the insidiousness of this. You think you're making progress because you've got all these externals, but you're not. You're losing. You're far behind. You're running a seven-hour marathon. You see, if you focus on externals, when the real pressures come, you don't have any internal fortitude to deal with them because everything's external. Everything's outward. And when some real trouble comes, you, you have not really trusted the Lord. You have not gotten on your knees before him and said, God, I don't feel anything. I, I, I don't understand what's going on, but I trust the word of God, the bare word of God, I trust. But if you're caught up with all these externals and you think that's spirituality, when the real pressures hit, you're, you're not going to be able to endure. But it's not only the extra weight of legalism that hinders our progress, it is also a specific sin that he's talking about. Notice in verse 12, he says, and the sin which so easily entangles us. I take it before that the weights he's referring to were not sins in and of themselves, but now he is talking about the sin, not just a sin in general. It's the sin. What, is, what was the sin that hindered the Hebrews? It was doubt and unbelief. So you go through this book, you'll notice that there are a number of times he speaks about unbelief and doubt, especially chapter 3. He speaks, that's why he says that if you harden your heart and you, you have hardened your heart and you hear his word today, don't harden it anymore. That's where the warning passages come in. I believe that's how Hebrews chapter 6 should be interpreted. And so what we're saying, and by application to all of us, it's this, if you want to run a good race, then throw off the sin of doubt and unbelief. Throw it off and take God at his word. This is how the heroes of faith lived. Noah resisted the temptation to say, I've never seen rain, so it must not be true. I'm not going to build an ark. I'm not going to do it because I've never seen it. Now, Noah went out and by faith, took God at his word, even though he didn't have the clue as to what rain was. And Abraham didn't say, I've never heard of anyone being raised from the dead before, and I'm sure he never heard of that. But he didn't say, I've never heard of it, and God said to sacrifice Isaac, all the promises are wrapped up in him. No, I'm not going to do that. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, believing that God would raise Isaac from, from the dead even though he had never seen a resurrection. And Joshua didn't say, I don't believe God is going to bring the walls of Jericho down. What a silly thing to do. March around it, we'll be ridiculed, we'll be laughed at. What kind of way for a Jewish army to act, march around some walls? He didn't say that. Why? Because these men believed God. And we're tempted to doubt. All of us are tempted to doubt. In Ephesians chapter 6, I'd like you to turn there. And we, we have gone over this in the past, but Ephesians chapter 6 specifically tells us about the armor of God. And one of the, um, one of the things God has provided for us in the analogy between a Roman soldier and a Christian soldier is found in chapter 6, verse 16. He speaks, in addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. He means Satan. 
Now, what the shield of faith was in, in ancient times was it was a large shield. He's not speaking about a, a small shield. There are different kinds of shields. It's speaking about a large shield that covered a Roman soldier's body. Because in Roman warfare, what they wanted to do uh, was, was eventually your enemy wanted to have hand-to-hand -hand combat with you. But he had to get you inactive in order to do that. And so what they did, they would fire arrows or darts which had been dipped in pitch that burned slowly and very hot. Hotly. Before shooting the arrows, they would light them so they just burst into flames, and then they would aim it at the enemy. If it penetrated, if it didn't hit your, your shield, and it penetrated you, it would obviously burn you. And I understand that it would burst into more flames, and then you, you would take down your shield and your guard, and you would be, the soldier would be inactive. And then your enemy would rush in and could defeat you, most likely defeat you in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Now, our enemy, Satan, throws flaming darts at us in the forms of temptations to doubt and not believe God. And if those darts, if you let them hit you, they're going to burst into more areas of doubt, and they spread, and then you're inactive, and then you'll be defeated. So what is the shield of faith? It is our trust in God's Word. It is trusting that God, what God has said is true. That's the shield of faith. Look, you know, as we've gone over this in Hebrews chapter 12, it's obvious that God has a course laid out for us. His unique plan for your life. It's not the plan for my life. My, my plan is different. Uh, God's plan for me is different than God's plan for you. But he has a unique course for every one of us. And uh, for some, as I said, it may be to go to the mission field. It may be to do something that's difficult. It may be just a rough situation. It may be uh, some hard times. And we're all tempted to not want to run that course because we can't, we, we say we don't believe God. That's the bottom line. We don't believe God that we can trust Him to give us the grace in this situation, these situations. So some of us have dropped out. We've gotten off course. What you need to do today is get back on course because the Old Testament heroes of faith say to us, we stayed on course and God was true to His word. So we've got to get back on course, get back in the race. See, it's our turn to run. And as we run now, we're going to be given a second encouragement to keep running, even when we might feel like quitting. We will hear about that second encouragement in our next program. Time is running out for us today. Hebrews chapter 11 encourages us to avoid two dangerous pitfalls. One is legalism and the other is unbelief. Jesus told us that we are to focus on loving the Lord God with all that we have and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now that's the greatest commandment. Then the externals will fall into place as they should. Our behavior needs to be a result of our faith. Thanks for listening today to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is our leader in these radio Bible classes. His 25-plus years of service at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida have led to the creation of Verse-by-Verse -verse Ministries and these daily lessons. Verse-by-Verse -verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported by the gifts and prayers of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their own local church. If you would like to hear today's broadcast again, you can find it at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Listen online or download it for later. We also have previous programs available on our archives page. While you're visiting the website, you might like to take advantage of our free podcasting service or sign up for our complimentary newsletter. 
That web address again is versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the middle part of Pastor Steve's concluding message on the heroes of the faith. To listen to the entire message all at once, you can order a CD or cassette. Call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-239-0306. The Old Testament heroes of the faith are a great encouragement, but there is another encouragement for us. They are certainly outstanding examples of faith, but on our next program, we will see why Jesus is the supreme example of living by faith. We'll hear about that next time on Verse by Verse. Verse by Verse.